This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Every year we get to talk Illinois, Iowa, David I. Colt and I, Jeremy Warner, Line Inquirer Publisher. We decide to do just a little bit of a crossover. We play on both our podcasts, the Swarmcast for you Iowa fans and the Line Inquirer podcast here for Illinois fans. Uh, and David, for the first time in a long time, um, you know, basketball, we've been expecting to be great competitive games and boy, yep. those have been off. Awesome. Uh, now the rivalry can actually translate to the football field where you know, Illinois, the last two first quarters against Iowa has looked pretty good, but just couldn't uh, withstand it. Yeah. Here you go, an upstart Illinois team playing uh, against a so far disappointing Iowa team because of one side of the ball. This is a monster game for Illinois. This is like an arrival moment uh, for Illinois. If they go to five and one, they'll probably be ranked. Uh, they And then they'd probably have control of the Big Ten West, at least for a week, going into Minnesota. Uh, This is a huge, huge game for Illinois. What's this one mean for Iowa? I think this is the biggest game of the season for Iowa. I mean, you look at who they have coming up. Obviously, there's a bye week next week. But, Jeremy, they're going up against Ohio State at Ohio State the following week. And you're not going to win the Big Ten West if you start out three and four. I get Iowa's back half the schedule against Minnesota, you know, Northwestern, Nebraska, Wisconsin, but this is a must win. I I just think you feel so much better about being four and three than three and four going to the back half of the schedule. But yeah, I mean, they're riding an eight game winning streak against Illinois right now, but you know, this isn't like my college days, Illinois football team. Like this is a very legitimate Illinois football team. I, I know you and I have talked off the record quite a bit about, you know, I think Chase Brown's been one of the more underrated backs nationally for the past couple of seasons I think he's been tremendous for them and I think an underrated selling point for you know talking point for this game is this is Bielema's first game coaching against Iowa because remember last year he wasn't in attendance because he got he got COVID and I feel like people are brushing out under the rug this one's going to mean a little bit extra to Bielema and you know even going beyond the football field I think if Iowa wants to continue getting some of those talented players out of the state of Illinois they got to continue to beat that program and I think it's a big opportunity for the Illini to beat Iowa and say, hey, look, the tides are turning. We want to, you know, protect our home state. And I think that's been something that's made Illinois a quicker trajectory, upward trajectory than the last regime is. I think Bielema's done a tremendous job of putting his focus on in-state recruiting. And that's something I, they haven't done for the past few years. Yeah, it's been interesting to see Illinois actually be competitive in, in battles with Iowa, getting Aiden Lawfrey, Ian Pugh, though Jason, Jacob Bostic and Ian Pugh are basically one picks one, but the other one picks the other. Uh, but, you know, Brian Allen, uh, you know, Iowa was able to, to kind of steal him. Uh, it's been a fun rivalry in recruiting, but Illinois wants to be Iowa. Like, that's no secret. Uh, yeah. they, they want the success that Iowa has, the, 
the sustained success. And, and I understand Iowa fans, you know, Big Ten championships is kind of the goal. Eventually getting in college football playoff, they can have that goal. Illinois just wants, at least at this point, to be able to be in competition for a Big Ten West title. And they have a wide open door right now, given Iowa, Wisconsin being down Northwestern, being down. So like Minnesota, Purdue, and Illinois, this is a huge moment. Uh, as long as they have divisions, which might only be a couple of years, but you have a moment where you can kind of take advantage of that, David. I think you've seen like this team's been more competitive uh, under Brett Bielema. They're, they're far better coached. Uh, I said when they finished this staff with guys like Kevin Kane and George McDonald that I think Iowa fans would like this staff. I think they'd be pleased with the staff that Brett Bielema put together. And of course, Brett Bielema being an Iowa guy, coaching at Kansas State, coaching at Wisconsin, like that was the blueprint. Um, now, certain things have changed, and that's a big difference in this game is the style of offenses these two teams play. But last year, they were competitive, right? Yep. Against Iowa. And then a special teams touchdown by Charlie Jones really changed that game, some turnovers, which is always the concern. Like, this is still a tough matchup for Illinois because Phil Parker's defense is great. Like we talked about this before we came on the pod, like Wisconsin, I didn't know if they were good at anything because their yeah. defense wasn't quite as good. Their offense wasn't quite as good. Iowa's offense stinks. We all know that whoever's listening, <laughs> but their defense, just like Illinois uh, is one of the best in the big 10. Yeah, no, no question. I know you and I even go back to big 10 media days. We were talking about Wisconsin. We're like, what really makes them stand out? They lost a lot more on paper than I think a lot of people were expecting, but no doubt. I think as crazy as it sounds, Jeremy, I think this is one of Kirk Ferentz's best defenses he's put together. I mean, they're loaded at every single position, right? So, I mean, you look at, you know, the defensive line wasn't really talked about hanging into this season. Iowa turned seven guys with over 200 snaps. Lucas Van Ness, they call him Hercules on campus. He's six foot five, 275 of the six pack. I mean, his physique's not real. Illinois and, uh, target. Barrington. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, very underrated guy, by the way. He should have been a much higher power five prospect. It was very obvious. I think when Sean Bach from Hawkeye is there, uh, you know, live scouted him a few times. He just said, look, this dude's built different. And I think he is going to, I think he still might face a legitimate NFL decision at the end of the season if he has a loaded back half of the season. Linebackers losing Justin Jacobs was massive to this defense, but Cooper DeGene is well taken over for that cash roll at cornerback. I think he's Iowa's best all-around football player. This is a guy that was actually being recruited to Virginia at quarterback. So, of course, Iowa fans, given all the offensive struggles, kind of want to, hey, why don't we throw Cooper as a Wildcat quarterback? Uh, but Cooper being able to play safety, cornerback and the cash position returning Jack Campbell, who I think is one of the more, uh, probably one of the best NFL prospects at linebacker, six foot five, two forty two forty seven, should not be able to move sideline to sideline as fast as he does. And then Kayvon Merriweather, you still have Riley Moss, who's had a little bit of an underwhelming year, but they're loaded every single position. But that's why I think this is going to be a very intriguing chess match between Bielema's offense and Phil Parker's defense, because I, I, again, I think Chase Brown makes that team go and running the football does. Yeah. But Tommy DeVito has been really, really impressive to me. Nine touchdowns, two interceptions, completing 70% of his passes. There's just much more stability at quarterback. And that's been, that's kind of allowed Illinois to use some of those skill players on the outside that uh, frankly, I think have not been able to be utilized their fullest potential due to the instability at quarterback. So uh, I've been intrigued with it, what, what they're able to do. I think they can do more things. And I think that's, what's going to make this game a lot of fun. And I know Iowa's defense can be very motivated after what happened against Michigan, because I think, again, Blake Corum is one of the best running backs in the country. And 
you know, I think Iowa failed to really slow him down. They didn't give up any explosive runs, but Quorum was just constantly getting five, six yards. And Iowa only had three tackles for loss on 66 plays. And that's not Iowa defense. So I, I'm very intrigued about, like I said, just the chess match between Illinois' offense and Iowa's defense. I think that's where the game is, right? Um, because I just think it's not a fair fight, maybe, uh, Illinois defense against the Iowa offense. We can get into that here in a second, but the thing that scares anybody about going against a Phil Parker defense is they can score. <laughs> they can make big plays, game-changing plays. Uh, and what's interesting is, you know, the Illinois offense was putrid last year, especially the passing attack. But Brett Bielema makes a quick change. Like one year into Tony Peterson, he decides this can't work. We're going to make a change. Barry Lunny comes in uh, from UTSA, also coached at Arkansas. And, you know, the concepts are, are different. Like the, the fundamentals are the same. They still want to be a physical running offense, but they want some balance to it. And, and Tommy DeVito certainly has brought that um, along with Barry Loney. And you're just going to see more screen passes. You're going to see more shovel passes. Uh, and I do think that chess match is going to be fun. Cause I think Iowa's defense is better than Illinois offense is, but Illinois offense, do they have to score 30 to win this game? Probably not. Right. So no. just getting some of those sustained drives and avoiding the turnovers, avoiding the catastrophic yep. turnovers. That's what killed Illinois last year in this matchup. And it's why Iowa really probably won the Big Ten West last year is their ability as a defense to, to flip plays or to flip games. Uh, but Illinois certainly is, is a far better offense than, than Iowa saw last year, but it's probably a middle of the pack offense. But given the way the Illinois defense is playing, that, that's all they need to be. No question. And like you said, Illinois is trying to replicate Iowa, and that's that's been Iowa's formula. I mean, they want a sound, a sound defense. They want to be able to run the football, and they just need – I said this before the season. I still stand by it. If Iowa's offense could be below average, they win the Big Ten West. Like, they're not – fans aren't asking for a top 50 offense. If they have a top 80, 85 offense, Jeremy, I, I, I seriously believe this. They are probably at least 4-1, and one, and they might have a shot at upsetting Michigan. I knew the game was over when Iowa got down two scores. I mean, that, that's that's where it's at right now. Unless Iowa's defense recorded a pick six, that was it. And I have not updated this stat since after the Iowa State game, but I tweeted this out in the from Iowa State to when Iowa started six and zero last year, the nine or ten games in between, right? Iowa's defense and special teams outscored Iowa's offense. <laughs> Just absorb that for a second. Just, I mean, it's, 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 it's unbelievable. Positive. That's a positive for Phil Parker and and uh, it, teams I mean, it's crazy. He's playing offensive and defensive coordinators, and it, that's why I think again. That's why Iowa fans. That's why the temperature is so hot right now. And you know, I know a lot of people point at Spencer Petrus. I think it goes far deeper than Spencer Petrus right now. He's actually been pretty so me, good. Like, what has happened? What has happened to the the Ferentz? I'm going to throw Kirk in there too. Yep. The Kirk and Brian Ferentz offense. Like, what has happened there? So I think a couple of things to keep in mind, and I'm not trying to make excuses for Iowa, but there were times during spring, Jeremy, where Iowa only had four receivers practicing total, not scholarship receivers total. And for the first two games, Iowa had one scholarship receiver healthy, and that's Arlen Bruce. Now, I think that's partially due to a failure of rebuilding your roster. And I think, again, Petrus has been good the past couple of weeks. And I think getting Nico Regani back has been a big help. Keegan Johnson, there's a lot of just rumors and buzz going about him. Cause he's, you know, I don't think he's healthy. He missed all of spring, didn't play in the bowl game. Brody Brecht is a guy who I think is going to be good in due time. But you look at Iowa's offensive line. They have talent. They're super young. 
But I mean, you have all former All Americans. You have four star caliber guys. Caleb Johnson, I think, is going to be one of the best running backs in the Big Ten in the next couple of years. I think he's got that size and speed combination. I don't know if you remember Sean Green, Doug mm-hmm. Walker, award winner at Iowa. I talked to Sean last week, and Sean said Caleb Johnson. He reminds him of him, and that's pretty pretty high praise from that. And Iowa has a couple four star receivers, so it's not a talent issue. It's purely an outdated scheme right now, and I think. With the way modern-day college football works, I think Kirk's going to have one of the biggest off-seasons of his career because with Spencer Petras, you don't have a game-breaker at quarterback. There was a span of 10 games where he threw one touchdown and nine interceptions. was not benched. And we look around college football today. You mentioned Illinois making a change. Look what that's done for them. And Iowa was not aggressive in the transfer portal, and we live in an era where 47% of starting quarterbacks are transfers. And for some reason, Iowa didn't explore that option as deep as they should have. There are a couple names they're monitoring, but never really aggressively try to go after. So I think, again, Kirk's going to have to just modernize his offense. And I think it goes far deeper than Bryant. I think this is Kirk's scheme. And, uh, you know, I I think the running scheme can work. But when you don't have a proven passing offense, whether it be route trees, whether it be recruiting and a quarterback that's not mobile, that doesn't go through his options. I mean, you need to have a mobile quarterback in today's college football era. And if you look at Iowa's best teams during the Ferentz tenure, Brad Banks, 2002, Heisman runner-up, mobile quarterback. Ricky Stanzi got the job done. He could at least maneuver in the pocket, make some things happen. C.J. Beathard in 2015, he wasn't a blazer, but he can maneuver the pocket and make the big throws. And I think that's ultimately what's been wrong with Iowa. And I'll even argue that last year's offense is the same as this year's, Jeremy. But Iowa's offense was much more opportunistic last year, and they had a solid kicking game that could at least keep them in games. So, so David, uh, Illinois' defense for Iowa fans that don't know, they're legit. Like, like the last calendar year, this has been one of the best defenses in the Big Ten uh, with a star up-and-coming coach in Ryan Walters who, who might be a Power 5 head coach in, in a couple of years. Um, but their front, David, is Johnny Newton, Keith Randolph. There are not a pair of defensive linemen probably playing as well as those guys. And uh, the, the bad thing for Illinois is those guys might not be around next year, uh, but Calvin Averett, nose guard, a former four-star prospect. All yep. those guys are very highly recruited. Um, they are legit. And in the back end, they got a couple NFL prospects. Devin Witherspoon's one of the better corners kind of guy you've seen at Iowa uh, the last several years. Quan Martin at nickel, a very, very good player uh, and Sydney Brown, Looks like Troy Palomalu kind of plays like him too. Um, so, so what is what is the best case scenario for Iowa's offense uh, against a defense that is right now above Iowa in a lot of categories, which is yeah. crazy to say. Yeah, and you know, again, I think Iowa's defense is better than even the statistics indicate. I think it's simply because Iowa's defense is on the field a stupid amount of time. I mean, yeah. ridiculous, right? Iowa, I believe, entering last week was 105th in time of possession. That's not Iowa football. That's never been Iowa football. That's a losing formula. And like you said, I- I've always respected Illinois' defense because I've always thought their physicality is arguably the best in the Big Ten. Hard hits, forcing fumble. I mean, Jake Hanson was one of my favorite players to watch in the Big Ten when he was when he was around. I, I I respected his game a whole lot. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. 
The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. And I think that's something that's going to be extra emphasized this week is Iowa's got to take care of the football. They're going to have to be ready to get, you know, busted up in the chops a few times. And I think this is a huge, huge test for Iowa's offensive line. I think they've continued to show growth at times. Again, I think Connor Colby is going to be a future NFL guy. I think Mason Richmond's going to make a roster. I think Logan Jones at center is ultimately going to be an NFL guy. But these are young talented prospects are still trying to piece things together. And Colby was all, I believe, 24-7 sports freshman All-American last year, but he was playing guard. They moved him out to tackle, and there's just a lot of technical things he's still trying to, I think, trying to pick up there. But like you said, I I think it's going to be a very intriguing game for Iowa. I'm not putting any stock or belief in Iowa's ability to run, especially against the defense that held Braylon Allen to Wisconsin to two rushing yards. I think you put Alabama up against Wisconsin a thousand times. I don't think... Wisconsin gets held to two rushing yards. I mean, that's how much of an an anomaly that game was to me. Again, I think Caleb Johnson can do some good things, but if Iowa's going to win this game, they have to protect Spencer Petras, and Iowa's going to have to try to get risky. They got to take some shots down the field. They have to try to play action. Yeah, Sam Laporte is the guy. I think the linebackers at Illinois have been solid, really, against the run, but I think they need to be tested in the passing game. Like, that's what I would do. I I would try and find those guys in the seam. Uh, I don't think it's going to be easy as it was against Lovey Smith when they kind of sat in coverage and and covered two, but um, I I would test those guys because I don't think the linebackers are as tested in coverage. Another game I would keep in mind, too, is Luke Lachey, son of uh, former Buckeye great Jim Lachey. He's had a breakout last couple weeks. He had four catches for 84 yards and a touchdown. Last week against Michigan, funny enough, you know, obviously growing up hating Michigan, I think there's a little bit of an extra edge to him there. But this is a former uh, top 150 prospect by 24-7 Sports, uber-athletic guy, can get down the field. I think he's going to be playing on Sundays in his future, especially I think when he becomes a prime focal point of Iowa's offense next year. But again, with the way Illinois plays, they play a lot of man. I think there's going to be a lot of one-on-one opportunities for Iowa, and I think Iowa's receivers need to step up to the challenge. And another name I would keep in mind, and maybe I don't want to say have a breakout game, but Iowa's going to try to target a little bit more is Arlen Bruce. And that was the one receiver that's been available, also scholarship receiver that's been available all year, has been very, very quiet and not as targeted over the past couple of weeks after getting off to a pretty good start in his first couple of games. I think he's one of Iowa's best playmakers. I think he can make things happen in space. They can utilize him in jet sweep and in motion to try to throw off the defense, which Iowa scheme is not complicated. Like, let's not be real. You're not, you're not throwing off anybody. But Arlen can make things happen in open space, and I, I would expect Iowa to at least try to get him involved a little bit more. Uh, the matchup I, I can't wait for is uh, potentially the Buckus Award winner, Campbell, against potentially the Doak Walker Award winner. In yep. Chase Brown. I mean, if, if you're the – Big Ten Network, you're going to be building up that matchup, right? Like, what do you think of that? I love it. And again, I think Jack Campbell's been really disappointed with uh, last week's performance against Michigan because I think Campbell wanted to hit the just hit the gaps a lot quicker than he did. So again, you talk about Chase Brown, who again I've been incredibly impressed with his skill set, and I've always said if he played on a team that's not named Illinois, he would have been better than a third team All Big Ten back, in, in my opinion. Last year, I think he's that dynamic. I'm very excited for it. I'm very excited for the the physicality between 
Illinois OI and Iowa's defensive line. Cause again, I think Iowa's defensive line's got some dogs. I think they've done a good job at sealing the edge, but I do think it's very interesting to me that the way Michigan approached it, they ran a lot more in between the tackles than I thought they would. I thought they would try to utilize the speed on the outside a lot more, but I think that also gives testament to Iowa's edge rushers as far as sealing containing the edge. I think John Wagoner has been a guy. He was a former four star by 24 seven sports really has had, I don't want to say a slow start in his career, but he's really pieced it together in his final season. But he's a guy who I think is among the Big Ten's best at containing that edge. So I'm very, again, the chess match between Bielema's offense and Phil Parker's defense. I think it's I think Bielema's going to throw a couple tricks in there as well because you talk about the momentum of the program, beating your alma mater, and getting just, I think, an Iowa curse that's kind of been looming over the heads of Illinois football fans over the last few years, again, especially considering the way they kind of lost those games. Yeah. Uh, so I expect, you know, everything to be thrown against the wall in this game for both teams. Uh, if you're an Iowa fan, I think the one edge you have to exploit is special teams. You, you mentioned it before, David, but uh, Illinois had it's maybe it's best punter ever. Blake Hayes is gone. Uh, a kicker, James Accord, who's on a practice squad in the NFL, he's gone. And they've had real inconsistency in the punting game and the kicking game. And their starting kicker, Caleb Griff- Griffin, couldn't even kick off the other day because uh, he had some kind of injury that limits him. He still kicked field goals and made a 42-yarder. Uh, but uh, he's been a little bit limited, and, and that could affect some play calling. Three points in this game could make a big difference. Six points in this game could make a big difference. And, and we know how good Tory Taylor is, uh, the Aussie thing. We all know here at Illinois because of Blake Hayes. Yep. Uh, and, and they've just been so strong in special teams that, you know, for once, first time in probably about three or four years, uh, special teams is a, is a weakness and a concern for Illinois. I think something yeah, I like how you brought that up. And I mean, I've said LaVar Woods probably could have been a head coach by now. I think what he's done with Iowa special teams, it's unbelievable. And the fact is, this is an underrated part. I feel, feel like some other teams don't understand is LaVar Woods' passion for special teams is why Iowa has been so effective in it. And I think you can go back to earlier in the year, just the way he schemes up certain punt coverages, kickoff coverages. Keep in mind, Lucas Van Ness, who I brought up earlier, he blocked two punts earlier this season. And that, that was a play that they just drew up in practice because they saw an exploitation in just the, the way that the team was punt blocking or punt protecting. So I'm expecting LeVar Woods to throw in a couple of wrinkles with that. And I, I expect Iowa to go all out. And like you said, a blocked punt's not going to surprise me. I think Iowa's kickoff, I just, you know, obviously losing Charlie Jones hurts in more ways than one. Now that, you know, Iowa fans are seeing what he's doing at Purdue. They're not exactly thrilled uh, with what's going on in Iowa's passing game. But like you mentioned, I think it's a big edge for Iowa. I think Torrey Taylor is the best punter in the country. And he literally, I would argue from last season, Jeremy, he could have been Iowa's MVP through the first six games. I mean, that's how dynamic and how game-changing he was, and that's how big he's been this year. I also consider him almost like a 12th defender on the football field because, again, Iowa got two safeties against South Dakota State and what was the most painful game to watch. Like, I I feel bad for everybody that was there. I was being paid to be there, and I didn't want to be there. I mean, that's how bad it was. But Torrey is, I think, the best coffin kicker in the country. And if, if they get put Illinois in some of those situations, Iowa's going to go all out and, you know, put up points on the board. And that's how Iowa 
it's almost as effective as their offense this yeah. point, right? Yeah, punter MVP discussion. I remember that <laughs> with Blake Hayes for most of his uh, career. Uh, any any other nuggets or any kind of keys to the game that, that you're looking at that uh, might go under the radar here, David? You know, I wouldn't say under the radar. I just think both defenses are going to have the same outlook. Stop the run and make the quarterback beat him. Again, I think DeVito's proven he's much more capable of that this season than Spencer. But I also think, look, people argue that Iowa's offense showed progress last week because they look at the stats. They look at, oh, they scored a couple touchdowns. I call them fluff stats. When the game mattered and the game was in session, Iowa had 98 yards and they were down by 20. That's the way I look at it. And then, you know, credit Spencer Petras. He got hot, complete 11 of 14 passing. I think when Iowa felt urgency, I think that's when their offense was at their best. So does that momentum carry over into an actual legitimate must-win game? I don't know that. But I expect both teams to sell out the run, make the quarterbacks beat them, and it's going to be one in between the lines. Can it can Illinois' rushing attack run against Iowa's defense? If that answer is yes, I think that's the way the game's going to go. I'm wondering to get your opinion here because I feel like if this game, if, if Illinois wins this, right, like it is an arrival moment for them. Um, but but if Iowa loses this, like I, Joey Wagner looked at me and said, "What with Wisconsin firing Paul Christ, is is Iowa starting to feel that way?" Like I know Kirk, like Kirk is entrenched there. He's one of the best coaches ever there, along with Hayden Fry. But what is the, what is the temperature there if they lose this game? I think it's an interesting question. I think, I think you have to take a, I think people need to take a step back and evaluate the full body of work, which is going to frustrate people in the moment. But I was recruiting at an all-time high level. They're recruiting better and better every single year. I mean, they're, they're the number one offensive tackle coming in next year, which I think will provide immediate help. They got Xavier Wampa, number one safety. I know they're in-state guys that could win everywhere. I was recruiting more talent than they've had before. I was won games. I mean, they're, I think they're in the top 10 in the country over the past six years in overall wins, at least among power five teams. I think that speaks for itself. Still putting players in the NFL. I think there's going to be a boiling temperature for Kirk to make some offensive changes Yeah. in terms of firing a, maybe a coach or two. Now, who do they fire? I don't know. I think Kelton Copeland's been a good wide receivers coach. Iowa's tight end tradition speaks for itself. I think George Barnett, I think people need to give him one more year because he's bringing in a lot of talent and he's a proven offensive line coach. Liddell Betts, I think, has done a nice job with the running backs. I mean, I know everybody's a good point to Brian, but I think we both know how that's going to go. But with Gary Barta, I mean, if you look at Iowa's major three sport, four sports, Brands, Lisa Bluter for women's basketball, Fran McCaffrey, and, and, and Kirk, these are all longtime tenured coaches, and they don't have any plans on going anywhere. But like you said, it does raise an interesting question. And I might be able to take it more seriously if Kirk didn't sign an extension right. just prior to Iowa's bowl game last year, I believe takes him through 2029. So, and the buyouts. I, I don't want this. Too. I don't, I don't want Iowa fans to listen to this and be like, is he suggesting? No, 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 no. It, it's, I'm it's not, a fair it's just, question. It's just because Wisconsin making that move was so shocking, David. Now it's like this, this program that has been stability, right? Yep. Iowa and Wisconsin are stable programs the fact that they fired a successful two-time big 10 coach of the year i understand why it happened yep i just thought end of the year it would happen if they go seven five, six and six i didn't expect it five games in and just all the changes in college athletics with nil and expansion it just seems like there's more urgency and quick trigger to all of this no i i feel like i feel like the ncaa and just the way everything is going has been 
it's just a complete overcorrection. I think it's going to be very gray for the next couple of years before it kind of mellows out. We get back to what is probably the correct way to go about it. But a couple of things I would mention about the Kirk thing. And I, I hope people don't take it that way either. Cause I didn't take it that way. I, I mean, I was not contemplating firing Kirk. No, Let's just get that on the clear. But I look back to remember what happened after Iowa got rid of Dr. Tom Davis for the basketball program. Right. You got Steve Alford and, you know, I know the name's cursed. Mm -hmm. And then we saw what happened before Fran McCaffrey got there. And there's a fear of going back to that bad level for, you know, and I think that's why when you see Iowa's athletic department and the coaches, that's why they keep extending them is they don't want to make that mistake. And the other thing I would point to, look what happened in Nebraska. Mm -hmm. Wisconsin's a better job than Nebraska. Would you have said that 20 years ago? I don't think anybody in the right mind was to that 20 years ago. Right. And if you look at Paul Chris record with Bo Pelini's Jeremy, they're, they're about identical right now. I'm not suggesting that Wisconsin's going down where Nebraska is going because they're vulnerable now, but they're vulnerable. And this is a critical juncture with the ever changing landscape of college football. As you just mentioned, this next hire, you talk about the long term future, which is why they said they fired Chris, right? Talk about long-term future. This is going to be an incredibly critical hire for the Wisconsin football program. And I would argue for Nebraska because I've, I've long said if Frost can bring him back, nobody can bring him back. Now, knowing why I know about Frost, I, I don't really believe that now after we've watched what happened this tenure. I think Mickey Joseph could take that job. And look, people are going to laugh at me when I say this, Jeremy. Nebraska is just as much of a threat in the West as anybody. Well, they, they are because they have the resources. and. NIL, nobody could do better. Uh, they they need a good coach though. Like the Mickey Joseph thing just does not make go get Lance Heibel. Go they have go to. It's 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 idiotic if they don't look what he's on Kansas. We live in an era, Jeremy, where Kansas football got re- resurge of Kansas football before Nebraska. Yes, because it's, they had a good coach. It, it's good crazy program building coach. Like those things still matter. I think you're seeing it now at Illinois, no matter what people think about PJ Fleck. You got to give him his due at this point with how he's been able to build it. So that that's the model. That, that's the model of what you can do. And then if you want more, eventually you go get more. But yeah, I mean, Wisconsin's got to nail this higher because I mean, we're young enough, David um, might not look at anymore, but like we're young <laughs> enough that we don't remember Wisconsin being terrible. They no. were terrible before Barry Alvarez got there. Uh, and it's, it's Nebraska showing like, Everyone keeps picking Nebraska to finish high in the Big Ten West, and I keep picking them. What, seven. what did you What did you pick them? Did you pick I them seven. last year? I think I did I'm, too. Because like everyone was like, "Oh, these transfers are all going to work out." The new coaching staff, and I said, "That's also a recipe for disaster." All these mercenaries coming together for yep. one season with their coach on the hot list or hot seat. If they lose a game or two, they're not supposed to. That's all going to fall apart. No question. And I don't get these right very often, but. <laughs> I've, I've seen it. I've seen it before where all these like transfers, all these quick fixes, it's not usually the way to go, man. And to the counterpoint of you saying, we don't remember Wisconsin being bad. We don't remember Nebraska being good. Maybe outside 2009. Polini, like Polini was, they had them, you know, they're good. Now I was going to say this generation of recruits don't remember Nebraska being good. No. And, and, and and I know, you know, Nebraska fans, if any of them listen to this, like I'm going to get trounced for this. And, but they don't remember him being good. And I think the way Trev Alberts has operated, I'm not, I'm not sleeping on Nebraska because Trev Alberts has said, we need to forget what we've done. Like nobody cares what we did 30 years ago, but also Trev Alberts just wasted a year. 
Oh, no question. He it didn't that. save any money. Everybody there. everybody knew Frost should have been gone at the end of last year, right? I mean, that's yeah, but I thought it was all to save money. He didn't save any money. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, though, that did make a ripple effect, I think, with saying we don't care about the buyout. We're not going to wait two weeks to do it. So I think it sent a strong message, but I don't know. But um, you want me to throw my prediction on here, Jeremy, to cap this yeah, thing if you, off? if you want to. I mean, I have, I have 2013 Illinois. I think Illinois is going to strain uh, offensively because Iowa's really good. Uh, I think Iowa could have a turnover that, hey, early in the game, they, they have some momentum. I, I just don't believe in the Iowa offense, and I believe a lot in, in the Illinois defense. So uh, I think this is going to be a close game. I think it's going to be far more competitive than Wisconsin was. I think Illinois is going to face some adversity. But based on the five games I've seen of both these teams, and I've tried to watch a lot of Iowa. Illinois, Sorry. Is the, Illinois is the better. <laughs> I think most of Iowa fans that have watched Illinois would probably agree with that. Yeah. Uh, again, I, I don't think you're, you know, I don't think Illinois fans hate me after my, my prediction, Jeremy, uh, you know, who yeah, you thought did, that? You make enemies like Michael Hogan. <laughs> Shout Michael. Uh, I can't believe in Iowa's offense. I, there, there's nothing I can say that that makes me believe you can't look at any statistic or any scheme that's going to make me believe in them. And as I wrote in the VIP piece for, for your site, I have a, I usually have a philosophy of if a team has a long losing streak against a certain team, I will not pick them. I think there's a mental psychological component to it that's not talked about enough. And I mean, you even saw it in Iowa, Iowa state, Iowa state did everything to lose that game. Like, honestly, neither team deserved to win that game. That was a horrible football game. So I have Illinois 24-13. And I think Iowa's defense is certainly good enough to hold Illinois under that. I think Iowa can create turnovers. But even in short field position, Iowa has not been able to put points on the board. And against an Illinois defense, I think defense is going to – if Iowa wants to win this game, they have to score on special teams or defense. And I – and if you're talking about 130 other teams and not Iowa, that sounds ludicrous. But because we're talking about Iowa and how many points they can put up on special teams and defense, it's it really is, Jeremy, their best offense at this point. Yeah, and I have enough confidence on like last year with Illinois, which Illinois did have, what, 23 against Iowa on that game. But like, I, I have enough confidence. Yeah. I have enough confidence in this offense to have like five or six chances to score. Like that's not to say they're going to have 400 yards but I think they're going to have five or six drives where they get in Iowa territory and have a chance to score. And, and I think they've shown enough and have enough playmakers with like, you know, Pat Bryant, Tommy DeVito and chase Brown, yep. that they'll find a way to, to get in the end zone once or twice. You know, again, with, with Bielema's system, time possession is huge. And I think as, as conditioned and as great as Iowa's defense is, if they're on the field, 40 minutes a game, like nobody can blame them if they give up 300 yards and 20 points. And if they only hold them to that while being on the field for 40 minutes, it's good enough to win. It, it's, it's, it's crazy to me. It's crazy. David Eichel, high call insider, Jeremy Warner, line inquire publisher. Uh, great. Always catching up with you, David. I appreciate it, Jeremy. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I feel it in my I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I'm a I am playing whatever role I got to play. I'm going to play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.